Franklin Nathaniel Stein. Okay, so what do you like? I like lightning storms, love windmills, and fire. I love it. All right, then. Tell us about your Tesla. Now, what I don't like is hardware, megalomaniacal scientists, and putting on the friggin' Ritz. Okay, and what are you looking for in a potential mate? Look, Hollywood got it all wrong. Way wrong. Bunch of propaganda BS. Don't ask me about the bolts, and don't ask me about the green skin. Kids, I love them, but I'm not looking to start no family. That kid from the lake, Brad had it friggin' coming. Now, I ain't looking for no bride, but if you play your cards right, I'll show you my Tesla coil, ladies. You sleep your headphones on. I'll be your radio. And if you turn me on, how would you ever know? Welcome to the October 31st episode of Rodo. Why are you talking like that? I don't know. Halloween is festive. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Even I guess I was really with you. I'm, I'm mostly just kind of uh, giving you crap. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but honestly, we've been recording overall for about the past four hours, and we just found out that there was a technical difficulty. I know. What's up with that? I don't know. This is Honestly, this is like the first time I've ever actually recorded with GarageBand. Hmm. I'm still new to the, the Mac cult. But anyway, let's do quick introductions. I, of course, am podcasting's Rich Sigfret, And also with me is the award-winning author, Christiana Ellis. That's right. I am award-winning. <laughs> and humble. Uh, <laughs> and also Christiana Ellis. Well, that is true. Uh, that's been in doubt. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not the only Christiana Ellis. Really? Yeah, in fact, actually, it's a pretty unique name. Well, you know, if you Google me, you'll actually find that, like in the 1700s, there was a, a Christiana Ellis who um, uh, had a miscarriage and got married and then died. Any relation? Not that I'm aware of, but it might be a past life or something. Could be, I don't think that most people don't have the same name in their past lives. That seems very don't easy they? to track down. I don't know. Well, most people, in fairness, are usually like Cleopatra. How do they or keep track then? Uh, more hypnosis. I think maybe that's all. That's all a racket for hypnosis people. Mm. Hypnosuses. See, I feel like if, if you're gonna have you know past lives and then future lives, I mean, it seems just simpler to keep your same name. Well, I would imagine so. I would imagine. But since I don't have that much experience in past lives, since I can barely keep up with the one that I have right now, <laughs> I really don't want to look into anything more. But. Um, anyway, as I said, this is our November episode. This is the second episode of our seventh season. Woo-hoo! Of course, the new ver- version with Christiana Ellis uh, as co-hosting. Um, of course, uh, like last month, we've got uh, some sketches for you on some various topics. The topic this month, since it is being released on October 31st, I always like to do kind of a Halloween theme. Um, of Ooh. course, you may realize that about a week ago, the uh, October episode went in there. That was so many technical problems, it's been ridiculous. But it is finally out there, and I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to leave us feedback and whatnot. Now, let's get on to the topic. Of course, with things, this being released on Halloween, All Hallows' Eve. All Hallows' Eve. Yes, the holiday that was uh, celebrated for the, the Dark Lord Samhain at one point in time. The day that we put out jack-o'-lanterns. I, I, I don't think they s- pronounce it Samhain. Really? Isn't it, I think it's like Samhain. Sour. No, that's Sauron. That was from Lord of the Rings. Completely different guy. Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. He was the German Dark Lord of Pumpkindom. What about coleslaw? I hate that stuff. Coleslaw. You know, I am not a fan of. I've never been a fan of coleslaw. What is the deal with I coleslaw? Don't I don't like potato salad either. When did this turn into a, a Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> What's the deal with coleslaw? <laughs> well, it's something. It's honestly, it's something that has been on my mind. Well, I, I imagine coleslaw, it's made from cabbages, right? I guess. And let it, I think it's like leftover salad bar. You know, I, it, it's, yeah, it's basically they chop up whatever's left in the bottom of those little trays 
and then they they add you know some kind of disgusting sauce. It's like mayonnaise and ranch dressing, which separately are very tasty. Together, not so much. Yeah. Now uh, it's not as bad as Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip, I believe, is you know I, I I've spoken to this in in shallow thoughts before, but it is you know made entirely out of petroleum product. Now that is the Parsec Award winning shallow thoughts, correct? Uh, it's the Parsec Award losing. Oh, shallow thoughts. Oh yeah, I, I thought you won. <laughs> Alas, I did not. No. Well, me that either. that honor went to the awesome John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. Um, no, screw him. Hey, no, no, you know what? That show is awesome. I will definitely concede that as as awesome as his show is, uh, I do generally pre- prefer it when I win. No, oh, uh, natural. Yeah. Well, of course, that that is natural. Um, I think we all do, really. Mm-hmm. Of course, I mean, I didn't really expect to win. I mean, I thought it was going to be Russell Crowe again. <laughs> oh, wait, not Russell Crowe. Sean Connery. God, I can't even remember my own jokes. <laughs> Let's talk about Halloween. We are recording this from the past. It is Into not Halloween. To the future. Yes. I suddenly flashed on Quantum Leap. Really? Yeah. Cause like he, the episode where he was pregnant? Not that one specifically, no. oddly enough. Oh. That's well, a fair <laughs> guess. Most people are thinking about that one. When you know, that... Um, the se- the series finale for that show made me angry. Really? Yes. Did you want to like find a Ziggy cartoon and punch it? No. But I did plunge into a deep well of despair for about three years. Wow. I am sorry. <laughs> that Wow. I've never had a show actually depress me. I've had a few piss me off, but never actually send me spiraling into the depths of depression. Well, I totally had a crush on Dr. Sam Beckett. Yeah, well, fair enough. Well, so so you were really enjoying uh, Enterprise then? You know, oddly enough, uh, I kind of had gotten over Scott Bakula by then. I think a lot of people did. Pretty much yeah. after Necessary Enter- Roughness. Enterprise wasn't bad, but it was, you know, I just, it didn't hold my interest. It didn't get good until the last season when they started, when they brought on, like, Brent Spiner. Yeah, see, well, that's the problem. What these shows need to do is be good from the start. Because if, you know, if they're not as good at the beginning and I don't keep watching and then I don't see the good part, they need to do the good part right off the bat. That's, you know, you re- you realize that you're kind of pulling down the curtain on this show right now. <laughs> we will, we want to have the listeners stick around while it's sucky. And then when it gets good again. Oh yeah. Well, none of this applies to, to no, you're to speaking you. about television shows, not podcasts, right? Well, right. Clearly, okay. podcasts are a completely different medium, and and there's always going to be you know startup. And are you saying that we're not awesome already? <laughs> I think we are on the road to awesome. I think we can see the signpost mm. if we have not crossed it already. You know, if the road to hell is paved with good intentions, mm. what is the road to awesome paved with? Mm. The blood of noobs. Mm. See, I was almost kind of thinking some sort of like a rock and roll sort of theme, but I don't. Well, they they built a city on rock and roll. That's yeah, at the end of the road that's to awesome. True, we know that. Mm-hmm. See, now I'm I'm, I'm lost <laughs> in thought because. <laughs> Building the city on rock and roll made me think of Six String Samurai, which is an excellent movie. Well, they defend it. Yeah. The Six String Samurai clearly defends the city that was built on rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Well, Lost Vegas is the name given, but it's clearly, you know, that's just one of its other names, you know. So (laughs) Um, anyone who hasn't seen that movie um, should make make every effort to see it. it. It has a kid in it who goes... A lot. Wow. <laughs> if you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. And speaking of, eh, so Halloween's right around the corner. Yes, and kids. I'm the Segway King. See, exactly. Yeah, see, I, I was just thinking kids is a good segue. The kids would say, eh. Is- well, see, I knew you were anticipating that, so that's why I kind of did a, a hook turn on that one. All right, well, it kind of failed because I just sort of stopped your Segway dead in its a tracks. A little bit, a <laughs> little bit. It's like the battery ran out on my Segway. Halloween! I just, I just tipped over. <laughs> Halloween's fun. Are you dressing up? Do you have a costume? 
Um, I ordered a Utilicilt at DragonCon, and sadly, it will not be here in time. Oh, no. Um, what ended up happening was that they decided to completely revamp the way that they handle all of the orders. And, you know, right after DragonCon, their biggest show of the year. And so, basically, I will be getting my kilt in probably about another four weeks, which mm-hmm. upsets me. But sadly... I don't know what I'm going to do. Might might be able to pull something like that out because really the only thing that I'm missing is the pants in that setup. And mm-hmm. so got to try to find some uh, decent pants that will fit that. If not that, I don't know what. I've got, Honestly, I have so many little costume pieces around here, but I don't have a full complete of anything. Mm-hmm. That's my 501st gear, and I really don't want to wear that. Other aspects of Halloween are the, the kind of monsters mm-hmm. that exist that come out. Um, you know... There are a lot of – there are so many different monsters that, that kids like to be for mm-hmm. Halloween. That's right. But I imagine that there's probably some that are either upset about the way that they're portrayed or maybe not being picked. Well, you know, I think a lot of monsters are just lonely. Mm. They're just – they're, you know, they're out there. They're looking for someone. Yeah. We happen to have somebody who actually recently interviewed some monsters. And uh, what we'll do is we'll throw it to Jack Mangan. Oh. Amazing author of Spherical Tommy and oh, yeah. of course Jack Mangan's Deadpan. Yes, and uh, we'll see what he's Deadpan. Deadpan. Oh yeah, that's good for Halloween. I like this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe we should redo that one. We we should do it on the same time. Okay, Jack Mangan's Deadpan. Deadpan. <laughs> Welcome. We're here today with two representatives from the organization Orcs and Goblinoids United for Change, which actually anagrams to Ogufk, but which they somehow think anagrams out to be Orcs Rule. These disgruntled fellows have joined us on our program to discuss the degrading stereotypes with which they feel their Orcish race has been negatively portrayed in fantasy film, literature, and games. Is there merit to their complaints? Are fantasy authors, game makers, and filmmakers giving orcs a raw deal? From left to right, I'd like to introduce my guests who've come here for serious discussion, Mr. Zignar Snotball and Gakko Spike Scrotum Onassis. Together, they're worth 120 experience points. Welcome, sirs, and thank you for joining us today. Please ignore the glowing enchanted sword. Puny human! Thank you for having us. Gentlemen, You've stalwartly come forth to express vexation at what you decry as the prestidigitatory, unwarranted, salacious denigration of your genus by bourgeois auteurs and content creators in media generated primarily by and for the more homo sapien and mammalian sentient species. You're here to claim that humans are talking shit against orcs. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't land on Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith land on us! Mr. Spike Scrotum, I understand you object to the way you're depicted as ravenous, bloodthirsty cannibals. That's correct. You see, those kinds of lies all the time in books, film, and D&D, and it needs to stop! Although, the platoon did eat our old company captain, Rack Rottenables, after we mutinied and killed him. But he had it coming. Ah, yeah. And he was delicious. We marinated him in buffalo sauce. (laughs) I didn't eat any of Brack. But then, I'm a vegan. Barra? I'm a vegan. How the hell can you be an orc vegan? I just don't want to eat anything that was once alive. But wait, didn't you eat those hobbits with us? I did, but hobbits don't count. And you don't find anything morally wrong or grotesque about killing and eating another creature that could have had a conversation with you. It's an orc thing. You wouldn't understand. So, Zignar Snotball, may I call you Ziggy? Tell me a bit about why you're here. Aren't we here to rape and pillage in the service of some evil overlord? No, you're here to tell the audience why fantasy films, games, and books, stereotypical depictions of orcs, and similar creatures are racist and inaccurate. All right. 
They got us all wrong. We take job for Saruman. He turns out to be a douchebag. And we get blamed. We were just contractors doing our best. But that's the Orthanks we get. Indeed. We are always shown to be unrefined savages. And okay, some orc tribes have been known to enjoy Dane Cook or Carlos Mencilia's stand-up. But not all orcs are that uncivilized. And as a race, we shouldn't always be portrayed as such. We deserve more respect. William Shakespeare gave even the foul Caliban some aspects of nobility in Hamlet. Caliban was in the Tempest, not Hamlet. Whatever. The racist, genre-based bigotry must stop. The way Grand Wizard Tolkien describes us is just awful. Yeah, his lies are destroying good snotball family name. Same goes for Terry Brooks and Robert Jordan. And Michael Crackerbull. And the biggest hater of them all. That's P.G. Holyfield. Oh, and don't even get me started about Margaret Whites and Tracy Honkman and their Crackerlance books. Were there orcs in the Dragonlance books? I thought their villainous armies and henchmen were all of the Draconian race. Draconians? Oh yeah, those guys are jerks. Although we still don't have it as bad as the dwarves, the red-bearded stepchildren of the fantasy races. I'd want my people to hide underground too if I was nothing more than comic relief for the humans and elven races. Dwarves are just the Uncle Tom Bombadils of the fantasy world. It like what great orc philosopher Earwax Stinkclaw once said. The meat from a fresh kill will still get maggots if you monogram it and use it as a handkerchief. But hey, I've got a question for you, Mr. Interviewer Man. What's with all you other races getting all swoony over the elves? They aren't that pretty. Yeah, is it because they make those presents for Santa Claus? And those delicious Keebler cookies? How dare you vile, disgusting orcs say bad things about the beautiful, angelic elves? Take it back! Those effeminate punces? Fine. Love them if you want. And when you talk about half-orcs, why is the assumption always that the human mother was unwilling? Lots of girls out there go for the bad boys. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Where there's a whip, there's a way. Right. Or is the insinuation that orc women aren't hot enough? That no male of any other species would ever be attracted or even desperate enough to sleep with one. I don't think I've ever seen an orc woman. Yeah, I don't think I've seen one either. I'm actually a gay, black, Jewish orc, so I get quadruple the prejudice. But I've had sex with many, many orcs, and I'll tell you, if there are orc women, I've never felt any difference. Hold on, let me check something inside my armor. Holy crap, you guys! I'm a woman! And this concludes our discussion about stereotypical depictions of orcs in fantasy media. I'd like to thank my guests, Zignar Snotball and Gakko Spike Scrotum Onassis, for talking with me today, and at least so far, for not killing me and eating me. I wouldn't want to eat you anyway. Right. Join us next time when guests Elithetha Lathrielothoth, Riverstream Brook Cloud Rainmist, and Danny DeVito explain why the elves are, in fact, better than the rest of us. Good night. Hi, this is Jack Mangan, and you are enjoying the comedy stylings of Rich and Christiana on Requiem of the Outcast. Unfortunately, life is not funny. It is the most serious affair we shall ever know. Therefore, I invite you, when you're done with Roto's laughter, to download a show where the host rarely succeeds at humor, Jack Mangan's Deadpan Podcast. Listen and join in as the Deadpan community discusses dumbass memories, song lyrics, paloozas, and nipples with dignity and gravitas. Deadpan is the way. www.jackmangan.com
Hi, I'm Reggie W. Orfman. Okay, so what do you like? Well, I totally love raiding, and I like Mountain Dew, and the Horde. Alright then, tell us about your dislike. I hate lag, and trash mobs, and ninja looters. Alright, this is the big one. What are you looking for in a potential mate? I'm just a lone wolf man seeking to pack me. I'm a recently promoted officer in my WoW guild. I got mad DPS skills, leadership skills too. You know, it's more fun to grind if you got a partner. I'm hoping to find a healer to service my tank. <laughs> so if you know any good spells, just ping me. I'm looking for someone to less than three me. So come raid my heart. For the horde! Ruthella Dark Shadow. Alright, so tell us about your likes. I like long walks in the moonlight, AB positive. I love garlic, but it doesn't like me. Okay, good. So, what do you dislike? Don't like splinters, sunburns, that band Slayer. Okay, and what are you looking for in a potential mate? The last guy I dated totally said he was a creature of the night. He turned out to be a werewolf. Ew. He never left his computer, and he shed all over the place. He kept clogging my vacuum. I love this new band, Children of the Night. Oh, what music they make. I don't drink wine. I'm saving my sparkles for that special someone. I don't normally do these dating services, but all the hot vampire guys, and not just the effeminate ones, they're all taking a turn towards the perv. They keep going after these skeezy human high school chicks. I mean, no thanks. I prefer not to sleep with my food. Well, you know, that was a lot of... A lot of stuff I hadn't really thought about. I mean, yeah. you just kind of assume that they're willing. I mean, being mythical creatures and not mm-hmm. anything that actually is real. But you figure that they'd be fine with the way that they're portrayed because they're per- they're, they're ferocious monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe maybe they just need to be hugged. They need to be loved. Maybe. I'm still kind of stuck on not being able to feel the difference between the male and the female at work. Well, that's... Uh, hmm. I don't really like thinking back to my times in college. So we'll move on. Um, another <laughs> another monster that's out there that is uh, particularly frightening, and I think, that, and I actually like to like to pose it to you, Christiana. Uh, zombies uh, tend to. I actually had a nightmare about zombies uh, last really? night. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm so damn tired right now. But what do you think it is about zombies that tend to uh, either cause the most fear or intrigue people the most? Because there are almost more zombie movies than there are vampire movies. Well, I'm very glad you asked that question because I have an opinion about this. Well, I would love to hear it. In my opinion, there are essentially two elements that make zombies scary. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I should point out that I generally prefer the old-fashioned slow zombie, Romero style, Mm -hmm. to the newer school of fast zombies. Um, But I think that one of the things that makes the slow zombie great is... It's not that any one of them is necessarily dangerous. They are dangerous if you're not paying attention, if you're not on your guard. Mm. But someone who's paying attention, reasonably smart, thinks about things, plans things ahead, um, is not going to have a lot of trouble with a single zombie. Right. But the problem is, is that a lot of people in our world are not smart. Mm. They don't plan ahead. And so they get bit. Then they turn into a zombie. Then you have lots of them. They're everywhere, and they don't go away. And mm. and you're you're under siege, and it's just constant. You're always in danger. You're always having to be in fear of your life. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that I think is sometimes ignored, but the other thing that makes them scary to me is the idea that someone that you love, that you care about, could just get bitten, and then they're going to turn into one. 
Hmm. And it's inevitable. But that element of zombies, I think, is is one of the things that makes them uh, scary. And so, in some ways, I think the the movies or books that don't really use that as much don't tend to scare me as much. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And and it also explains the uh, fascination that the public has because it is such an unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. They, they just swarm you there. It's not like you can really wait them out mm-hmm. because since they don't sleep, they don't, uh, they don't tire. They can just keep coming and coming and coming because right. we see things with like uh pride prejudice and zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's out. Also Max Brooks, very popular survival guide to zombies. And then of course the follow-up book with world war Z being optioned right. before it was even published be made into a movie. Max Brooks, of course, being Mel Brooks' son, uh, which explains a lot of the humor that's in that. I did not know that. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's got that deadpan style of comedic seriousness. Mm, Well, see, I'm just now thinking that um, in a Max Brooks story, excuse me while I whip this out, means something else entirely, I think. (laughs) Zombie Wayne. No, that would not be good. I was thinking, like, intestines. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> but zombies, scary. zombies, zombies can actually be the cause of a lot of problems. Not mm-hmm. just, not just in the world, but sometimes between two people. Hmm. It can take a lot of little things, but sometimes it can be just a lot of scary things that can cause problems in relationships. Zombies. We now take you to an ordinary family therapist's office. Note the blonde receptionist in the other room. She doesn't pertain to this sketch at all. Guys, thank you so much for coming in today. Now, we've been working for uh, for a few months now on uh, a lot of the, the, the issues that you guys have been having. And you know, it's funny because most of the things that you guys have talked about have been, you know, normal everyday things that didn't tend to actually have any problems in the relationship. And so I, I kind of started thinking out of the box. And after talking to you guys about the, the various movies that you guys like and the books that you read, I think, and I want you guys to follow me on this. This may seem a little, little weird, but um, what would you guys do? Say if there was a, a zombie apocalypse or something like that, if the world was overrun. Now, I know this is this seems very strange, but I, I think it might kind of lead us to uh, some of the contention that's in your guys' relationship. But why don't you go ahead and start? Well, it's easy. I mean, zombie apocalypses are about survival. So you have to plan to survive. And it has to be long-term. It's not going to be, you know, 90 days, National Guard comes through, saves the day, ooh, and there's, you know, confetti and penance. It's not going to happen. You have to think ahead 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So the mm-hmm. simplest plan that I've come up with, and it's odd you mention this because it's something that I kind of do as a little daydream exercise, um, there is a super target and a Lowe's off of Highway 55 that are right next to each other, Okay. So there you've got instant building supplies and instant food supplies, okay? Now, what's going to be in the target is going to be perishable. It's going to have a limited shelf life, okay? Lowe's has seeds, so you're going to be able to plant food, which is what you're going to need long-term, okay? What a lot of people miss in zombie apocalypses is is not so much the zombies that are a problem. In the Mm -hmm. first few days of the zombie apocalypse, of course, everyone's kind of stunned. They don't know really what's going on, and that's when the getting's good. That's when you need to get in that place and lock it down. Okay. Then you're going to have the marauders. You're going to have the people that have figured out, hey, we're boned. You might as well do what you want to do when you want to do it because there's no more laws. There's no more government. There's no more law enforcement agencies. Everyone's on their own. Those are the people you got to worry about. They can do far more damage than any zombie can. So you you feel that uh, the people that would be going around looting, even though their world is turned upside down, that they would still be trying to steal things, trying to gain personal wealth, even though the world around them is burning down? Oh, yeah. I mean, you see that happen all the time in, in face of imminent doom and, and danger. I mean, the hurricane season is a classic example. I mean, here you've got this Category 5 hurricane bearing down on you. It's miles away from shore. The surf's 25 feet high, and there's some dude with a TV. And you're like, dude, you are not going to make it because those winds are going to carry you right off the highway and into the ocean, and then you're going to drown, and I'm going to laugh. 
Now, a uh, quick question. With going to a Lowe's or, or a Target or, or any other kind of large store, uh, do you have money saved up or are you planning on joining the looters but just getting things that will help you as opposed to just luxuries? No, I plan on uh, appropriating the buildings. Okay, so which between those two buildings, Lowe's or Target, which uh, we'll just use those as examples, which would you go to first? Lowe's. Because that's where all the building supplies are. You've got concrete. You've got mixers. Okay? So you can already reinforce the glass areas with concrete. You can just start building up forms. You've got the nail guns. You've got the screw guns. You've got the mixers. You've got water. You've got everything you need. Power's going to last a few days. You know, it's not going to go belly up within the first few hours of society collapsing. It'll stay on long enough. Long enough for you to at least start the initial preparations. Then you're going to lose power. Hey, Lowe's has generators. So now you've got power right there. Okay. The hardest part's going to be keeping other people out or at least people you haven't thoroughly cleared. That's why we have teams. I already have people in mind on tap that I will go through the motions of rescuing if I have to in order to get them to those places so that they can help me reinforce the area and then defend said, said area until, you know, we start moving on to the super target. Okay. So you would um, set up your, your kind of home base mm-hmm. and then go out to get provisions to bring back. Right, which is why the super target's perfect. It's right there. You can oh. build an armored walkway. because Well, now, are we talking Dawn of the Dead remake zombies or are we talking George Romero classic zombies? I was actually going to ask you which uh, this plan would Well, it would, would work be best for. for Romero zombies. Dawn of the Dead zombies, and this is why I hate the movie, is because they run. So it's a difference between the speed of the zombies themselves. Right, because, okay, zombies as we, as we know them from horror movies, you know, the only way to really truly end their danger is those shot to the head. A walking, shambling zombie is much easier to shoot in the head. You've got time. Fast zombie, he's on you like white on rice before you even know what's going on. Hmm. So the chances of you getting a headshot are slim to none. And then he's going to be on top of you and biting you. And once you're bitten, that's it. That's one thing the, the new movie and the old Romero movies sharing commonalities once you're bit that's it you're done and you know that's another thing people don't seem to realize you know when you're dealing with an emergency like that you've got to make those hard decisions and on the fly you can't just you know morally question it now what about uh, long-term goals you've talked about the immediate also that you would have your your structure set up your your fortress and how to get the provisions what happens if say those provisions run out or you know, the rest of the world has been overrun and they are slowly dying off. Okay. Now we now we credit New York City. I hate the Yankees, but damn it, they got that part right. Rooftop gardens. How big is the Lowe's? How big is the super target? They're ginormous. More than enough topsoil can be uh, harvested from the bags of fertilizer and such. And, you know, locally, like out the back door, that mm-hmm. you could... You can put two, three feet of good soil up on top of these roofs, and then you've got seeds, you've got water. There you go. You've got a rooftop garden. Now, granted, you're going to be a primarily vegetarian diet at first, but then as the zombies start to slacken off and the marauders start slacking off, eventually the wildlife will start repopulating, and then you can start hunting for food. Hmm. Assuming that, of course, the wildlife isn't infected as well, or potentially maybe not showing signs but are carriers of the virus. Well, that's been that's been a subject of contention amongst zombie zombieologists, I guess you'd call them, for lack of better terms. Zombologists, I believe. Zombologists. Um, whether or not the animals actually are infected or are, are carriers, because in, in all the movies, which are really the only way you have, what you have to go off of, animals are never at risk. Zombies are never chasing animals, all right? Only in the offshoot, like the Italian movies and, and some of the, you know, more third-rate production films do animals. Like Resident Evil. Resident Evil. But that was genetic. That was genetics. I mean, that was a, a, a virus that altered things on a genetic level. Uh, all right, Kath, we've heard Biscuit Side. I'd like to know what you would do should the world fall to some kind of a zombie uprising. Well, I mean, first we have to hit the first problem, which is that, you know, in our relationship, we both come from having very strong zombie plans, or at least our own ideas of our zombie plans. And apparently once I became in this relationship, it was just assumed that I would sacrifice my own plan for this other plan. Right now, I would just like to focus on you and hear what your plan is. Okay. Well, I think the best way to start is that the difference between my plan 
and, and Biscuit's plan starts out with flexibility. We've seen the George Romero zombies. We've seen the 28 Days Later fast zombies. But in the end, we really don't know when the zombie apocalypse comes, what we're going to get, what kind of zombies we're going to have. So I think the key is to be prepared for anything. Somebody very close to me said to me the other night that the problem with a plan is a plan always sounds great until it's time to put that plan into play. Because all these things that you didn't factor in for can come into play and throw your whole game plan off. And based on the zombie research that I have done, one thing that seems quite clear to me is in a zombie apocalypse, you have two things you have to worry about. The zombies themselves and the other people who have up to this point survived. Mm -hmm. Um, So while Biscuit chooses to stay in a heavily populated area at the super target, my plan is kind of the opposite of that. I want to get away. Um, Based on the research that I have, some of the best places to go would be like on an oil platform in the middle of the sea. Probably not the most realistic thing for somebody living, you know, in the middle of the United States. Um, Other research that I've done indicates that going north would be a very good idea. Other research indicates that there'll be pockets of places in the United States which just are too hard to get to. They're isolated enough that perhaps the zombie apocalypse won't reach them. Um, so my loose and fast kind of plan is to go north. Some say, how are you going to get out of town? You know, are you going to be able to take a car? Are you going to be able to take a motorcycle? Ideally, I would go on horse. Horse, I think, is a good thing. You don't have to worry about the mechanics involved in cars breaking down or, you know, a tunnel that's completely blocked up with cars and swarming zombies inside that tunnel. I feel that a horse, maybe even a goat, would be a better way. They can help you carry things. And they can maneuver around. And the realisticness of finding a goat to carry things may not be there, but there are plenty of horses right around. But I'm looking at kind of more of a nomadic existence, um, partially because they think that that may be the key to survival, partially because the idea of spending the rest of my life locked inside a super target makes me kind of want to take the gun and put the bullet in my own brain. It's, it's the idea of being stuck in one building for the rest of my life. Mm. The possibility is there that, you know, maybe the zombie apocalypse will never end. Maybe there will always, it will never be safe to leave. Mm. But if I start out by trying to get away from people, then I think, you know, the quality of my life in the end is going to be better. Maybe, maybe Biscuit's plan is safer. But based on the research that I have, you know, when you're already worrying about the zombies, do I really want to worry about every other person who thinks Super Target is the best place to go in a zombie apocalypse? Um, And then there's a part two of my plan. Ultimately, I have to admit that I don't really want to admit this. But the bottom line in the zombie apocalypse is that I survive. I know that's very self-serving, but the bottom line is that I want to survive the zombie apocalypse. So realizing that I don't have every skill known to man, I'm not the best marksman, I may not be the best farmer, I may not be the best rider of a horse, My plan has been, like Biscuit, I feel that I should have a team, a zombie survival team. And my zombie survival team will be made up of two components. People that have useful skills and meat shields. I think that it's very realistic to understand. I'm sorry, I I have to interrupt you, you Kath. Um, Meat shields? Meat shields. Cannon fodder. Collateral damage. I think that going into it, you have to be realistic and understand that some sacrifices will have to be made. That there are people that are just simply useless. But their use can be in the fact that, you know, come an invasion of zombies, you can put them in between you and the zombies. And for a long time before I loved, I actually had planned on using him. At this point, you know, love has taken control a little bit, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it. I've decided to leave him and his plan B. You know, he can do what he wants to do, and I won't use him as a meat shield. You know, I I think we're really starting to get to kind of the the crux of, of some of the issues in, in a relationship, but I am fascinated, and, and, and I, I have to know more about, about the plans and, and, and things. So please, please continue. So, you know, having a core team of people with useful skills or people that, you know, can be sacrificed, 
I think that gives us a good chance of being able to get out of town. I think that we will find through information still being passed by people we pass along the way that, you know, there may be places that we don't have to go so far north to settle in at. Um, but the bottom line is I think that in my zombie survival plan, there will be a lot of moving. It's going to be a nomadic existence. You know, we will find resources where we can. Um, I realize that having one center place to defend may seem like the wisest move. I'm more comfortable with the idea of defending myself from zombies and not so much defending myself from everyone else in the city who's trying to get to the Super Tarzan. <laughs> oh, that's where you're wrong. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, is that my survival skills are adaptable to any situation. That's why saying, I learned them. Well, then if you know all these adaptable survival skills, let me pose this to you. Mm -hmm. You say that you love me. You want me to be happy. Mm -hmm. You know that I could never find happiness in a super target. Mm -hmm. So if you have some of these usable skills, mm -hmm. skills that might help me on my nomadic adventure, mm -hmm. I like to think of it as an adventure. Mm. Then why not, you know, come with me? How about 30 days after everything's calmed down a bit? We have the provisions, the weapons, and uh, everything necessary to make that trek safely. We do that. No, because in my heart of hearts... Uh -huh. In my heart of hearts, I think that 30 days in a super target will be death. Well, have you guys ever thought about Walmart? Oh, yeah, because all that cheap Chinese crap that Walmart stops is really going to hold up. Oh, way to go, Mr. Genius. We can't Mr. oppress the people. We know Walmart oppresses the people. Exactly. You know, I mean, come on, Mr. Oh Psychologist, Mr. Learned Man. What kind of plan is that? Seriously, Walmart?
Hi, I'm Pete. Alright, tell us about your likes. Do I like fish? I like cauliflower and omega-3 acids. And what do you dislike? I don't like shotguns, secret military experiments, or fat chicks. Okay, and what are you looking for in a potential mate? Since I've become an undead American, things have been great. But I know you've got some questions, so I'll answer the usual ones straight out of the box. Contrary to stereotype, I'm not interested in a woman's brains. I'm a fast zombie, not in the bedroom. There, I treat the girl flesh right. I'll hit it and make you feel like a swarm is all up on that ass. Now, must be drug and disease free. No necros. They get way too attached. You must be height, weight proportionate. Please send body photos, front and back. You can call me Mr. Keeper. All right, so tell us about your likes. Must love cats, and I Fred count linen. Okay, good. So, what do you dislike? I don't like rap music. It's a little too soon. I also don't like loose ends and humidity. Okay, and what are you looking for in a potential mate? I'm just looking for a ghoul to take home to mummy. <laughs> I'd like to show girls my organ jars. See that big one? I bet you can guess what that's for. <laughs> yes. I have lots of money thanks to my television show, but I'm also not looking for any gold diggers. I had this one psycho hose beast, good-looking gal, sporting some nice pyramids. But she was a little nutty. She went round the world looking for me, kept breaking into my tomb. Anyway... I'm looking for a hot chick to desecrate my sarcophagus with. But don't go breaking my heart or I'll curse you. <laughs> I won't. Yes, I will. Now, Christiana, of all of the monsters that exist, what do you think is the scariest to you? Well, you know, I think the scariest ones to me are the ones that I can't really fully wrap my head around. And, you know, to some extent, some of the Lovecraftian things are kind of described that way, and yet they don't quite feel that way to me. Oddly enough, one of the movies that scared me more than anything was the Silent Hill movie. Um, not generally uh, thought of by many as a great film. Visually, it was amazing. Well, I tell you... I never walk out of movies, and I was really close to walking out of that one just because I was that freaked out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The the, the sense of style that they had in the film and, and just the, the, the feeling of uneasiness that it gave you mm -hmm. was spot on. It was perfect. Right. It was one of the, the, the creepiest movies that I ever mm -hmm. saw. It was just so, the ending, the acting, and the plot that I had problems with. Right. So, like, uh, well, but, like... Uh, Pyramid Head in that movie, and I guess he's a character from the games too, oh, yeah. though I haven't yeah. played those games. He's like one of like the biggest boss, I believe, in uh, the first few. Right, but uh, the point is, I think, is that like, what the hell is he? I don't know. I can't. I can't even wrap my head around like, is that really his head? Is it some kind of helmet? What's his deal? What's going on? I don't yeah. even know what's happening, yeah. and I think that scares me more than. Um, you know, like, for example, a werewolf, certainly, obviously, I don't think I would really want to tangle with an actual werewolf, mm. but I'm not as scared just thinking about him because I kind of feel like I understand what that is. Well, and, and most of the classic monsters, uh, there was always something that you could use to ward them off. With werewolves, you had silver and yeah. wolfsbane. With vampires, you had crosses, also right. a little bit of silver, holy water, uh, things like that. Yeah, they have, they have weaknesses. They have things you can fight back. Exactly. And even zombies, you can get up high. Mm -hmm. And they can't climb, so they can't get you. You must remove the head or destroy the brain. Exactly. And I believe it bears repeating. Remove the head or destroy the brain. Exactly. That should be what, rule 34? One of those, yeah. For Zombieland, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Amazing movie. Double but tap. Double tap and cardio. Those two the most important rules. Avoid restrooms. Oh, and avoid restrooms, yes. Seat belts. And seat belts, also very important. But 
Remember to enjoy the little things. Whether it be a Twinkie or the hopeful love of a girl with really big eyes. Or, she uh, had frighteningly big eyes, doesn't she? She did. And she's yeah. a beautiful gal. I was going to say, uh, or tearing up a Native American themed tourist trap gift shop. That is true. That is true. But I think we may be speaking too much. Yeah, people well, who have not heard, see, no spoilers. People who have not seen this movie mm-hmm. can't give away too much. But you should definitely go and see it. Um, but for me, one of the scariest monsters, honestly, is the Loch Ness monster. Really? Yes. Well, no, I mean, not only does it hide out down in caves. In Loch Ness, the water is very murky, mm-hmm. so you can't actually ping it. it. You know, so many of those things we can say like, well, okay, that's kind of impossible for it to exist, or here is evidence and stuff like that. It's water-based, so any evidence is going to go away. It's murky, where it's so murky where sonar can't even ping the bottom. They don't even know how deep Loch Ness is because they just can't get, get down far enough. Mm. But and here's the thing that freaks me out the most is that I believe that the Loch Ness Monster is actually Jack the Ripper. Wow. And now, this is versa. an interesting theory. Here's the thing, is that uh, they, they have no proof that it was just a guy. It could have been something large. To be able to to basically just kind of dip into the sewers and swim around and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it's possible because I'm sure the sewers go from England to Scotland. They didn't really like them over there. Um, so they were probably looking for a place to dump their trash anyway. Mm-hmm. So for Nessie to be able to swim up there, Come out, kill prostitutes. Maybe he's even on some kind of a holy mission because he basically stuck to prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Or maybe one of them made fun of him or something like that, told him that he had a small Schwansteiger or something like that. And so that really affected him. But here's the biggest thing. There has never been a photograph of the two of them together. Wow. And I, I believe that that is irrefutable evidence. My God. This changes everything. I'm just saying. You know what? Screw the whole prince thing uh, that that it was one of the, the prince's kids, uh, obviously the the prince of England, not prince in the revolution. Or, you know, it wasn't Johnny Depp because those just those just seem silly. Besides, Johnny Depp was the one investigating him. Or was he just falsifying facts to lead everybody off the case? I think he was just smoking a lot of opium. That is true. I believe he was doing that, but I think he was in league with the he was kind of like the spotter for the Loch Ness Monster. Just so people to kind of like throw, oh. the, throw it off because I mean that's what they you were do. in cahoots. Exactly, I think they were cahooting. That's wow. just me, but that is one of the things that why it terrifies me the most. That know? is pretty scary because I think that the if the Loch Ness monster is able to go all the way up to England through the sewers, that he's probably going to have a deft flipper with a scalpel. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one thing thoughts. he'd have to be really careful with though is you, you don't want the scalpel to rust in the lock. Well, he has a bag. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you, you can't. He, he's not going to just swim with the, the scout. He's going to accidentally cut himself. You've got an answer for everything, don't you? I, this is how much I believe in this. Right? <laughs> I, mean, I have thought about actually updating Wikipedia to reflect my thoughts on that. I think you should. I think I may. While I'm going and doing that, here's the question that we pose to you What's the scariest monster to you and why? And email it to Roto Outcast. That's R O T O. O-U-T-C-A-S-T at gmail.com or leave it in a comment on the website uh, under this episode. And uh, we'll definitely address it on uh, next month's episode. Even we, though by then it will not be on topic anymore. Well, we will go back for the topic just to talk about those oh, things. Oh, okay. And then we'll, you know, then c- carry on with uh, the rest of the episode. Well, you know, we like feedback, even if it's not on Halloween anymore. Exactly. Scary exactly. monsters are scary all year round. Exactly. It's not like they just work Halloween. No, they don't take the weekend off. They don't take the month off. They don't if, take the rest of the year. In off. fact, if we talk about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer rules, Halloween is actually the day they take off. Yeah, they feel it's a little tacky. Yeah. They feel it's a little tacky. But do want to let you guys know there should be a new episode of Mr. Adventure out at the same time that you're able to listen to this episode. That's over at pulpadventures.net. That's one of the things I've been working on and why I'm so damn exhausted right now. But, Christiana, where can folks go to find you? ChristianaEllis.com. All right. You can also check that out on the Requiem of the Outcast uh, website. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And, uh, Christiana, do you have anything else for the listeners? Pyramid Head is scary. Pyramid Head is frightening. We don't know if he's got a – maybe he just has a like a cheese-shaped head. I don't know. Just a big giant wedge. I am spending the uh, the week the week before Halloween in Wisconsin. If I were you, I would 
play the game to figure out what weapon destroys him. Maybe mm. you can go online, find a walkthrough. That's Maybe I, I should disguise myself as a cheese curd. I don't know if he attacks cheese curds. I don't know. Well, you know what? I think there's there's no media anywhere of him attacking a cheese curd. Oh, there we go. And under the exact same rules that I believe that uh, Loch Ness Monster is Jack the Ripper, you may have something there. All right, guys. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to check out all the fine, fine podcasts at OutcastMultimedia.com. Damn you, Holyfield, for demonizing the orcs. That's right, you jerk. Where the hell do you come off? Uh, well, it probably just needed characters and stuff like that. So, Feel mm, mm. a jerk. Well, yeah. Suck it, PG. <laughs> Alive. My name is Deirdre. Alright, tell us about your likes. Well, I like darkness. I'm crying. Making videos. Okay, good. So, what do you dislike? I hate those paranormal investigators that just won't leave me alone. <laughs> I also dislike happiness in others. My bastard ex-boyfriend who killed me and left me in a ditch who I'm totally over, by the way. Okay, and what are you looking for in a potential mate? I like guys that are blind, like Tom. <laughs> he used to work out a lot, so I did guys that are in good shape. I like a guy who's strong enough to lift 120 pounds of dead weight without breaking his foot. Tony and I used to have these big fights and we'd end up making up and having this really intense makeup sex until he choked me for a little too long. <laughs> my fault, really. I, I couldn't hold my breath long enough. But since I'm dead now, my tolerance for choking is a lot higher. <laughs> he could choke me for as long as he wants me. <laughs> Can't kill me twice, right? <laughs> You won't have to be inconvenienced by having to hide my body since I'm incorporeal now. I tried to apologize to him for that, but he wouldn't listen. He just got scared and ran. I have a lot of unresolved issues, and I need to be in a relationship to feel whole. But I'm not needy. I'm looking for a guy named Tom. But if you aren't, I'm really big into role play, so we can just pretend. <laughs> Monster Dating was written by Podcasting's Rich Sigfred and Christiana Ellis. Zombies was improvised by PRS, Kath, and Biscuit. Orcs was written by Jack Mangan. Zombie Connection was written by Kim Fortuner and Patrick McLean. Vocals were performed by Kim Fortuner. Guitar by Tim Dodge with orchestra and production by Chooch Schubert. E.G. Holyfield was the titleist. Theme song was provided by Magnitune and performed by Five Star Fall. Closing credit song is from the Akashic Mysteries. Don't forget to give us feedback either on our website or by leaving us a message at 347-OUTCAST. That's 347-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Visit OutcastMultimedia.com for more podcasts by me, Podcasting's Rich Sigfret, and many other fine folks. <laughs>